So who is your rival? For the competitive people in the room, you can find anybody to be a rival. I mean, you could be walking, just on a sidewalk, and then see someone maybe walking a little faster, and you want to show them you're going to walk faster than them. And then there's those of you that maybe aren't as competitive, and you don't realize that you have a rival until you're standing there just doing your walk, and then you see that someone actually has made this into a race. So who would yours be? Rivalry, I think, is part of being human, and I don't think that it is necessarily bad. You see, God created us to be in community, and God also gave us this thing called free will. And so it just seems natural that as you go through life with people, you will compare, you will compete, and you might even conflict. But being human as followers of Christ, I wonder if we are called to do those things in a unique way. We know that time under tension allows us to grow, but time under tension can also lead to death. What if, what if we, as followers of Jesus, what if we did this rivalry thing, even with our own siblings, but with all of our relationships in ways that did not lead to sin? During this series, we are examining these iconic stories of siblings in Scripture but my hope is that each of us will hear these stories that happened a long, long time ago, and we might be able to find something in our story. And even today, today is possibly the most archetypal story of sibling rivalry in all time, the story of Cain and Abel, and it is violent. It is horrifying. It seems so unfair and unjust, but upon a closer look at the text, while it is still extremely violent, I think it has something that can offer all of us insight into our own relationships. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, may they be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'm going to do something a little different this morning. I'm going to read through the text in full, and then we're going to go through it line by line. So hear now the word of God. Now the man knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. Next, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a tiller of the ground. In time, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, for his part, brought of the firstlings of his flock their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. The Lord God said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain said to his brother Abel, let us go out to the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Now the man knew his wife Eve and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. In the Hebrew Bible, when the word knew or know is used between a woman and a man, in the biblical sense, it means that they have had sexual intercourse. Notice how the ancients wrote the story down. Eve became pregnant, but it was a man that she produced. Next, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a tiller of the ground. From the get-go, remember, y'all, this is early on in our Scripture. From the get-go, these are the first children that come on this earth, and it is made evident we are different, and we are given different gifts. We are all going to have different responsibilities. There are going to be different roles. Notice that the text doesn't say that one is better. They don't get graded. One is not favored or the other. They both just are what they are. No comparisons or rivalry. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel for his part brought of the firstlings of his flock their fat portions. In the course of time, it says, meaning literally their entire infancy and childhood are just gone in two words. They were born, and we jump right to them at the business of work. What I don't want us to miss, though, is this. Is Cain is for doing his work, doing the work that he was gifted to do, and out of something within him, I would say his very nature, the way he was created, out of something in him, he has to respond with gratitude. He has to say, oh my gosh, I must bring back to the Lord an offering. This is long before the concept of tithes or the idea that you had to bring an offering to it. There was no, there was no sanctuary. It, God created humanity to respond with gratitude, to realize that all we have is a gift, that the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. And Abel, for his part, brought of the firstlings of his flock their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. Abel also brought an offering, but we are told this detail. We're told that he brought the firstlings of his flock. And we're supposed to know that for some reason, Abel chose to bring the firstlings, the, the fat portions for the offering, and that for whatever reason, the Lord had regard for that offering. Y'all, the better translation for the Hebrew word here is to notice or to pay attention. Whenever the word had regard for is used in the Hebrew Bible, it means God looked or someone looked there is no favoritism here. God just regarded Abel's offering. It just means God noticed it. Verse 5, but for Cain and his offerings, he had no regard. And so Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Have you ever wondered why did God look and notice Abel's offering and not Cain's? Did Abel, like, 
bring some new addition, shiny, shiny coat of sheep. And Cain just showed up with Quaker oatmeal. We're not told why. You know, I could work for 24 hours on the most delicious, flaky, baked good. But Charlie put some bacon on that griddle and the boys just come quickly to the kitchen. What if the idea that because God had regard for one and not for the other, what if it means that one wasn't better than the other? So much of our thinking is either or, in, out, love, hate. We are so dichotomous. And yet so much of life is not dichotomous. So much of life is lived right in the middle, is a both and. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? It becomes evident that the Lord does not understand why has his act of looking and noticing and showing regard for Abel's offering, why has it caused his other child to be angry? This is the first time in the Hebrew Bible, we're only in chapter four, but this is the first time that the word anger is used. And in Hebrew, anger is the same word that's used for to burn or to heat up. This anger has done something within Cain. You've seen it happen when someone gets angry and then their body position changes. And some, when they are angry, they, they just slump their shoulders, their head turns down, they begin to grit their teeth. It means he felt less than. He felt inferior to because this is the story that Cain wrote, not that God wrote. I work my tail off in the heat of the day, in the dirt. I brought an offering to God. I was the first one to bring an offering to God. I was intentional not to be selfish. My brother does the same and yet God noticed him. It seems like God ignored me. God didn't count my offering worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. I will never be enough. And I'm so confused because there is this emotion. It is rising up within me, this heat and as he is thinking these things, God continues to speak. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you. You must master it. I love this phrase, do well. Your happiness, my happiness, our contentment, our well-being, it's up to us. Cain chose to see the circumstances of this life as a comparison of which he was found wanting. A competition at which he had already lost. Are there any of us that need to reckon with what our measuring stick is for our well-being and the stories that we are writing that are making our countenance fall, that might be stirring within us sparks of anger. I'm happy as long as. God tells Cain, your well-being, your happiness, Cain, it cannot be based on you comparing yourself to others. 
because that will always spark a flame of anger and resentment in you. And therefore it will make your countenance fall. Be on guard when you are not doing well, when you are feeling discontent, when you are feeling unhappy, watch out. Because in those moments, there are evil forces that want you to make a poor choice. They want you to miss the mark. In the letter of 1 Peter, he, he gave us this beautiful image. He says, discipline yourselves. Keep alert like a roaring lion. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him. I have to think Peter was hearkening back to this Cain and Abel story. Cain said to his brother Abel, let us go out to the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. You see, it began as just this little spark. You know, I know what it's like. Somebody says something and it gets to you. Somebody does something and it gets to you and there's this little spark. There's nothing wrong with the little spark. And then his inferiority complex though, this inferiority complex, it seemed to consume him and like water in a pot where the temperature is continuing to rise, eventually it, it is going to boil. Followers of Christ, this story offers us a different perspective in how to do relationships in God's kingdom. Stacy said this last week, our homes, our relationships, they are not exempt from God's kingdom work. They are exactly where God begins to transform us. It is in our very homes that is most important that we are doing this kingdom work, that we are paying attention to those places of discontentment and unhappiness and sparks. Because in God's kingdom, there is mutual recognition that none of us are perfect and none of us are the worst in God's kingdom, individuals are focused on doing their own inner work. And as far as someone else that you want to change so badly, all we can do is encourage and support. In God's kingdom, fingers are never pointed at others because fingers and hands are raised up in praise because we are more concerned about bringing glory and honor and praise to God than to pointing out what everybody else is doing wrong. In God's kingdom, anger is righteous. And it is never harmful or spiteful or rude. In God's kingdom, anger does not turn into sin. In God's kingdom, when things do not go as we want, but they do for others, which will happen and does happen all the time, we better watch out and ward off that all-consuming anger. The antidote, be content with what you have. Be content with who you are and who God has made you to be and trusting that God is doing the work on you and on me and on us to make us more into the shape of the godly people that God desires for us to be. May it be so in my life and in yours.